Hello and welcome to another episode of the Culture Hour. I am your hostess and founder of Premier Rapport, Shelley Smith, where everything is workplace culture related. Today, I am beyond thrilled to have a repeat um, guest back on here. John is amazing. Uh, for those of you who don't know John Hawley, he, is, um, he has a very wide range of expertise, but also some really big uh, specialties, and we're going to dive in those today. And what I'm, I'm, I'm even more excited about is that uh, John had posted kind of a call out for you guys to submit some questions, and we got some really good ones, so many that we may take this into a couple of segments. So this is probably part one of maybe two parts or maybe even three parts, but you'll see that after uh, you're viewing this as well. So first, let me tell you a little bit more about John if you don't know about John. Uh, John is actually a master facilitator, and I mean that literally, not figuratively. He's a master facilitator who focuses in on team building and process improvement. He believes that the key to company success lies within growing and molding the individual contributor. You know, to me, that's that shared leadership piece, John, that you do incredibly well. John breaks through the traditional barriers of office politics to enable a team-wide shift in a collective and collaborative thinking. John's conducted several hundred workshops, offsite, retreats, and of course now virtually. His virtual engagements also incredibly, I, I cannot stress this enough, he helps you improve your effectiveness, not by the individual persons, but the individual persons multiplied into the thousands, which I absolutely love. A couple of key bullet points about John specifically in his background. Again, if you did not know, he is a human, he is, his background is around human-centered design and design thinking with certifications from Disney, the Lego series play, Luma, Think Wrong. I wanna come back to that, John. I wanna know what <laughs> Think Wrong is, cause I love that. Uh, Scrum and of course, several others, including the programs that he's developed inside the Navy and his 25, and his 25 chapters across the globe. He is very proficient in all of these tools, especially, again, today's newfound work virtual environment that people are leaning into, and it's absolutely not going to go away. And anybody who says it is, sorry, don't agree <laughs> with that. It's, it's not going to completely be one or the other. I think it's, it's definitely going to be a mix. The other thing that is unique about John is he's really good at bringing uh, fun into the different types of workshops. His ability to get the individual teams and individual contributors to really engage in the workshops um, is really quite amazing. And he's really known, he's really known for this. Um, let's see a couple of things else that he does. He has specialty around conflict mediation, establishing um, crucial culture foundations, which of course, hey, I love that. <laughs> Solving hairy problems, love that. Big hairy problems, different things around campaigns and long-term planning, actionable, tangible ways to move forward. And of course, anything that's in between that. He also has a lot of experience from senior government officials. So the government of Virginia and, and four-star admirals and other generals as well as the C-suite, and again, off-site retreats. He's provided over 300 unique problem-solving workshops, facilitating over 12,000 people in small groups. So I give to you John Hawley today, which again, is, is, is amazing. So John, is there anything in there that I missed that you wanna make sure that 
people know about you. And, no, and I was... I want to hear more about Think Wrong too, by the way. Okay. No, I, I was thinking, gosh, I was listening to you go and I was like, if, if you could do my intros from now on, you, you crushed it. <laughs> I was sitting here like, what else do I say? You got it. No, that was perfect. Thank you. So what, what is Think Wrong? Tell me about that. So Think Tell Wrong is, uh, and, and I've, you know, with, with all the courses that I've been to, it is another take on uh, human-centered design. And it's very unique in that it has its own framework. It has its own uh, you know, starting and ending points and iterations and variations and prototyping and, and whatnot. But I'll say that it's, it's fun. Um, it's, you know, it is just different. Something to get people to kind of buy into something that is uh, not only different, but, but fun to follow around. Uh, it gives a lot of unique tips, tricks, tools. Uh, but, you know, hopefully I'm not stepping on anybody's toes here. I think it's, a variation of methodologies that are already out there. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just done in a very unique twist. I like it. It's, it sounds like it's um, helping people to push through the, their barriers and their elements and their walls and their maybe totally. biases and preconceptions. So I, 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 I love preconceptions. You know, I have to say anybody who's listening to this, if I sound tongue tied today, I am. I, this is podcast number three and I'm, I can't even, I'm like, am I saying anything right? It's one of those when you go back and listen to yourself, you're like, oh my gosh, what was I even trying to say? <laughs> so my apologies. Um, all right. Well, a couple of things before we get into the questions that were submitted, because I'm going to call out the person's name who submitted them. So are you ready? You know, be yeah. careful what you ask for. You got it. But one thing that I did notice from something you'd given me that I've actually heard you talk about before. And you've got in here leveraging from within. And I love that. And I just want to read what you, what you put. And then I want you to kind of unpack this. Too often, the quiet individual in the back of the room is left unheard. Innovative ideas are left underdeveloped. And the power of the group and the diversity of the individual is left untapped. Can you talk to us about I mean, obviously, people are listening going, yeah, they're either saying, that's me, or they're saying, meaning themselves, or they're saying, yeah, I, I have people who I know, when they talk to them one-on-one -on -one are great, but when they get into the room, they go flat. So talk to us about that. Sure. Yeah. So the, the leverage within, leverage from within is kind of twofold in that, one, it's the individual contributor, and you talked about that before, kind of in the intro, which is... How do you get the absolute most out of the organization? And in my opinion, the only way to do that is to get the absolute most out of every individual because you, you and people have heard me say this um, a lot, but you go from a very bad idea to an okay one, to a good one, to a great one, to a very successful strategy moving forward. And kind of the only path to get there is leveraging every little piece along the way. So the within is obviously the individual con contributor, but it's also, and, and this might sound a little weird, it's also the organization. Uh, and I, hopefully this doesn't put me out of business, but that is it my goal. Is, <laughs> is, is to actually put myself out of business when I engage with, with clients, which is get to, the, get to the end result that they're looking for, have some kind of amazing impact, et cetera, but teach the tools necessary to do it on their own. So yeah. within, within their own organization, the tacit knowledge is already there. Uh, 
I don't think that you need to bring in a million outsiders to be able to figure out what you need as long as you have a really good foundation. So obviously you need to bring in the right people to give you those, uh, that foundation and that background. But from there, I think that, I think as long as you leverage the people that are within your organization, I think you, you've got it. I love that. I, I love that a lot. So thank you for sharing that and for leveraging from within. I, I like that as your footprint, if you will, in your, your foundation, your call to action, your call yeah. to action. So let's dive into the questions. I think we've got uh, a, a, around a dozen between mine and the ones <laughs> that are here. So that's, a, that's good. So the first one comes from Autumn Conrad. And uh, Autumn Conrad Shift, I think is the last name. So she asked, what are the ways that you, and this is actually goes perfect to what you just said. What are the ways that we can cultivate from a more personal standpoint, our own leadership, especially during these times when we're, we're at home? So how do we lean into our own personal leadership, even though we're at home? So uh, I thought I would have a really good answer for this. Um, I, saw, I saw that post and I have to very frankly admit that I'm personally struggling with that myself. Um, okay. I think that I'm significantly better at helping other people and working through their issues and ideating on what they can, can do to kind of move the needle. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to myself, it's like, okay, I, you know, I can time box and, and I can create little, little things here and there that help, you know, this blue uh, whiteboard or whatever that I got that's been helping a ton. Uh, you know, there's, I'm, I'm leaning on people really. Uh, and I know that's, that kind of goes against the question a little bit, but my wife has been helping me out a ton uh, and I'm just trying to be very cognizant of it. And I'm following people like uh, Dr. McCauley and John McCaskill and those folks that, you know, get you to think about your own thoughts and, and what that does for the people around you. So I know that I probably tiptoed around that answer, but that's kind of on purpose because I don't really have a great one. Well, actually, I'm going to call you out a little bit in that you did give the answer. Okay. Because, uh, and the reason I say that is, you know, I think any of us who are honest with ourselves are, can, would say exactly what it is that you just said. I think the answer is leaning into the people that we know, that we trust, that, um, and I think that's the answer, is lean into those that can give you an unbiased, unfiltered direction clarity and they will help you cultivate your own personal leadership so i think it's just that setting it setting it on the table and asking for help which is what you articulated so give your credit give yourself credit for that <laughs> so um the answer is from john is <laughs> lean into those around you lean into your circle of influence lean into your trust and ask for help where it is needed because it is easier for us to help others I mean, that's quite frankly, that's why there are consultants and coaches is because we have that unbiased ability to be able to look through the, the filtration, right? So, so you did good answer, John. Yeah, well, you I made like it. it. You, you, you I like it. it in. <laughs> no, 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 I like it. You said it. You said it. I like it. I like it. All right. The next question comes from J. Ryan Williams, and he's got three. So we'll start with his first one. Um, what is it like to facilitate among those that have more years or levels of experience and or senior to you? I love this and I know you have a great answer for this. So initially, uh, very challenging, I would say, uh, but it all comes down to, in my opinion, it all comes down to the credibility and the buy-in that you have of those people that are in the room. And 
there's obviously, you know, you start with, with that. That is the answer, in my opinion. You have to have the buy-in. You have to have the credibility of, of the folks that are about to sit through something with you or stand through something with you or jog, if that's your thing, whatever it is, you know, in, a, in this environment. Uh, and then you have to kind of go backwards from that. And backwards from that, to me, means getting with the most senior person in the room, the person that usually asked you to be there in the first place, and laying down expectations of, hey, if you want me to get to point B or C, here's what I do, here's my personality, here's how I do it, and here's how you can help me do that better. Uh, and so usually, and I, I don't always do this, but sometimes I will have them mess up on purpose in the beginning of uh, a workshop that I do with the most senior person in the room. I, mm -hmm. I ask for it. Okay. I, would, I would like for the president of the company to follow my directions and mess up and let me tell everybody that they messed up, call them out in front of everybody and then move on. And I do it in a, a fun loving way so that they don't, you know, it's, I joke it, uh, you know, I put a lot of the pressure on myself, et cetera. But from that point on, people know if I can do this to this person, I can do it to anybody. And we're in a safe environment where these mistakes aren't really added up or counted against you in any way type of type of thing. So, uh, I love it. I, I think it's great. You know, I've, I've said this in the, in the military and I've, I've actually done this uh, for a couple cor corporate clients as well. I take on the rank or the position of the people in the room. Uh, so just because I don't do finances or, you know, I, I'm not in an HR background specifically, or I'm not an admiral or a general doesn't mean that I'm not in this moment. I'm an equal. Everybody in this room is an equal. I love that so much. I'm going to can a bottle that. That was good. That was good. All right. Number two from um, Mr. Williams. He says, what are two or three things that you got wrong when you started out? I think the, the biggest one uh, by far is how much finesse it takes to make something look easy. So mm. you sit through a, an event and, and something's like, you get to the end of it and it's super successful. Everybody's happy. And you look back and you're like, I can't believe we paid this person this much money because that was so easy. I could do that. Like that is actually a good thing. It takes a tremendous amount of effort behind that ease uh, to, to make that happen. And so finesse, I didn't have it in the very beginning. Uh, I had to learn it. I had to iterate on it. I had to get mountains of feedback in order to determine what worked, what didn't. And it usually comes down to like one or two words. One word that you say that ruins everything and kind of messes that finesse up or one negated word or sentence that just because you didn't give it now, it's kind of like compounding mistakes. Because you didn't say it, someone's gonna ask this question which is going to interrupt this thing which is going to prevent you from doing X, Y, or Z. And it's those things just, you need experience in order to figure those out. I mean, I can, I can try to, to give my lessons learned so that people don't repeat them. And for the most part that works, but my personality is different than the people that I'm helping. And so you have to understand what works for your personality. Uh, so I'm going off topic there, but the other one, uh, if I had to give a second one or third one, it would be like the expectations that you give the audience uh, used to be terrible at that. I would just dive right in um, and I'm thinking in my head, I know where I'm going. Uh, you guys asked me to be here. I'm going to get you to where you're going. But 
when you kind of reverse roles and you're sitting in somebody else's course and you're like, Hey, we've, we've just talked to each other for the first hour of this session. When are we going to get to the meat of this? When, when, why does this matter? You know, like, and to lay out the expectations, mine usually goes something like this. Um, we're going to eat lunch on time. We're going to end the day on time. So that kind of puts them at ease. If you're like me, you need to eat um, or else you'll die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> on time. Um, we're going to have numerous breaks. We're going to have fun. And uh, I'm going to do some really weird things. But every single thing that I do matters. And if you don't understand it in the moment, feel free to ask me at any point in time. Um, but just try to give it a shot. Hit the I believe button for a minute and circle back. If you genuinely don't understand the connection of something I've done or something I'm about to do, just ask me, stop me in the middle of what I'm, what I'm saying and I'll handle it. And uh, those expectations definitely, uh, I mean, it plays a part of the finesse role as well. Just yeah. letting everybody know you're in a safe environment. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, have you do anything that is just way too uncomfortable for you. I love, again, I love all of that. I guess that's gonna be my phrase. I love that, I love that, John. <laughs> um, let's, let's unpack something. Because I don't know that all of the viewers and listeners know just how much you lean into actually helping people craft their meetings, their agendas, those possible oops moments. That happens to be a part of your forte. I'm not sure that there's a specific title maybe yet to that, but I, it, I do think that um, that is something that, it, like you said, it is a skill. So are, are there some things that... Correct me if I'm wrong. People can hire you for that, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you literally can coach them through. So it's it's more than an event. It's not really an event planner. It's not just a project manager. It's not just a coach. It's literally all of those things of the flow to the energy, to the questions, to the tone, to, right? All of the above. Yes. I love that. Hey, if you've ever put together... Uh, a, a conference or a speaker series that uh, sounds like you need to hire John. If you're <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know I needed to do all that. There's a tap on John moment. That's awesome. That's all right. Good. All right. Next question again from J Ryan Williams. He says, what facilitation skills come easy for you, but you see others struggle with it. Uh, I think, and I I've said this before, but I maybe go into it a little bit deeper is the safe space. Um, I think that I'm related. Well, I've been told that I'm relatable and that I'm, I'm just one of, uh, one of the group, you know, and, and creating that safe space does everything for you. Uh, if they, if they don't trust you, um, you know, that safe space leads to the trust. The trust leads to the understanding and the active listening the active listening leads to the, you know, it just goes on and on and on so that people are, are not afraid to make mistakes and, and whatnot. They're not, for the most part, willing to step outside of their comfort zone unless they've seen that you have. And being vulnerable yourself, I think if I had to give anybody advice, that is the thing that I don't see many facilitators do, uh, where they'll joke themselves or they'll make a mistake and and just call it out. Hey, I, I messed this up and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're going to recover from it, et cetera. And kind of humanize themselves a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that I, I do it well. I, I'm not afraid to joke myself. Um, and 
you know, if somebody is kind of out of line or disruptive or something like that, I, I almost never specifically call them out. I usually always turn the attention back to me and kind of revamp that safe space so that we can move on and, and keep going. And I, I think a lot of people miss the, uh, they, they take an agenda for the most part. They know what they're doing. Uh, they know the methodologies and they know how to do it. But if you don't have the trust with the people that you're doing it with, then it doesn't even matter, I don't think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Trust is the foundation. All right. Well, that was Jay Ryan's questions. Let's move down to Grace Lee. Grace Lee is asking you, which team building exercise you offer that you believe is of best value and increases the team's performance? And then she gave a couple of onsets to that, but let's start with that. Okay. Uh, my, my absolute favorite thing to do with teams in any scenario is creating their own personal ally in the room um, and their own bond with other people. And I, per, I think the only way to do it is to set them up an environment that has nothing to do with their work. It has nothing to do with why we're there. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do really with your your general elevator pitch, which is, this is where I grew up and here's my family. It's like, anybody can say that. Uh, anybody can go for about a minute and be like, whew, that conversation's done. I don't have to. They won't uh, call on me again. <laughs> yeah, thank God I made it through that, right? But if you can get people to, to say, hey, you know, like I do DIY projects and I build furniture and I, I like to, to do the arts or I play an instrument and, and you get to, to know them. Uh, and maybe some of those things lead to a story of an embarrassing moment for them or, or something very intimate. Those connections allow people to lean on each other in, in an event where they know they're not the only one, they're not the odd man or woman out. Uh, they know someone's got their back at all times, even if it's not the uh, person facilitating the event. And so, I've been talking for a while and I'm, I'm wondering if I'm, uh, if I'm sort of answering that question, but you are. I think personal, personal conversations, intimate moments that you can create for people matter the most in, in any scenario. Uh, and, and I would even go as far as to say, there is not a single strategic offsite engagement or, or anything that I've done with strategy where I have not inserted a, an element of team building because you need, you need to have that, cultural foundation uh with the people before you go and solve anything yeah um, so yeah no i i completely agree it makes me think about all of the things that are happening now virtually and people doing the virtual happy hours and those conversations and i know i <clears throat> I, I definitely have had a lot of conversations with clients around the communication of don't just start with this is what we're going to do today yep. for goodness sakes lean into what's going on with them personally and ask them how are you doing yep. especially when it's a one-to-one -one call and you're right you know the groups you see all these pictures of people with the different um uh the screenshots you know i call it the brady bunch look but uh the animals in the background and the kids going by. I mean, those are your opportunities to dive into those personal moments and connections to your point that uh, to build real rapport is what I'm hearing you say, build yeah. real rapport. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting that, and, and would like for you to, to dive into this is we tend to tiptoe into the personal side. It's like, Oh, this is work. We're not supposed to have those conversations. So can you unpack 
kind of that balance that's yep. that's going on now, number one. And number two, what can you say to the listeners and the viewers about addressing it with people who are just not comfortable doing that and they don't think yep. it's appropriate? It's, it's a very tough thing to do. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to try to answer the second one first because I think it's the okay. easiest. Um, everybody comes from such a, a, a different background so sporadic that you can't take somebody that it's at, you know, a level 10 with using the technology that you're currently at, or at a level 10 for being able to share openly with other people and combine them with people that are at a one or, or a two of either of the two. So there, you've got a lot of competing things going there. I think the answer to that is uh, creating small groups and taking your time. Um, Obviously, you're not going to take, uh, and I've learned this the hard way. Uh, in fact, I've had someone come up to me in the early years and, and said, that was the worst thing I've ever been part of. And I was like, what? I mean, I'm getting rave reviews right now. I don't understand. And she said, she said I, was, I was so uncomfortable. Uh, I, I just wanted to get out of there. And I couldn't wait for the breaks. And I was like, I, I just kind of sat there and I was like, well, can you tell me what I did? And, and yeah, she was like, I am the biggest introvert on the planet. And, and I was, everything that you did was against everything that I would ever want to do. And I, I was speechless. Uh, so I reached out to her and I, I actually said, Hey, like, do you have any books or podcasts or any personal tips that you have that I can prevent this from ever happening? Cause I was devastated. I was like, yeah. I can't believe like, Obviously you feel bad about the event, but more so you're like, God, I, I don't ever want to do this to anybody. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and she did, and she was great about it. She sent me all the stuff that uh, I asked. She gave her own tips. I mean, I got a massive email of, of all these things and I'm sure I could have taken it as, you know, John, you suck type of thing. But um, so small groups, um, knowing that there are people like that in your group, and not pushing everybody to the same ladder rung. Um, you know, I think I was told this uh, several years ago, everyone's somewhere on a ladder. Everybody's holding on somewhere. And your team is your team, not because they're all at the top of the ladder or in the middle or the bottom. They're all somewhere and they're just holding on. And your job as a leader is to make sure they just don't go down the ladder. Like always give them the opportunity to climb the ladder, but stay where they're at. And so if you've got a performer at a number four, uh, back to what I was talking about before, okay, well, well, we'll leverage their strengths where they're needed, but let's not let them go to a three. You know, let's give them the opportunity to go to a five. And, and we're not going to treat them differently because they're at this level and somebody else is the other. Um, so circling back to number one, and now I've been talking so long. You can't give me two questions. I can't. No, I, can't I know. I, I, I won't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other one revolved around um, why, well, if you have it right there, can you just ask me again? Well, actually it was about the, um, you kind of answered this. It was about the balance and, and leaning into, um, and you, you kind of, you kind of answered that. And okay. the, well, maybe when you rephrase it, why is it that <laughs> I've been guilty of this too, as a manager or leader, we want to know these nuggets. And so we're super excited about these type of exercises but it kind of goes to your point with, but everybody else on your team isn't super excited about that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, 
I think it comes down to trial by fire, right? And we could give a million examples right now. Um, I'll give my favorite, which would be working out. I don't want to work out. I never want to work out. And if you're listening to this, it's not because I'm lazy. Maybe it is, uh, you know, hopefully you don't think less of me, but I just don't. But fast forward after I tell myself I'm going to do it and I get the shoes on and I go do it, I feel great. And I'm like, I'm glad I did that thing. Right. And so I think of certain things obviously done with the right finesse and background and all this stuff. And if, if you can take somebody that doesn't enjoy something like that, and have them get to the other end of it and go, you know what? I didn't have fun in the moment, but I'm really glad I did that. I know so much more about Shelly. I know so much more about Frank. I, I, I feel like I'm part of the team now. Like, okay, uh, you obviously have to, and this goes back to the trust thing, you obviously have to get them to go through the entire session with you to understand what the fruits of their labor accomplished for wow. them to have that mentality. But I think the reason why the managers and everybody love it is because they see the end result. They're at 30,000 foot view and they didn't have to go through that introvert extrovert swap and the awkwardness. They got to see the results and the results are I I can work more cohesively with my team. I can communicate and collaborate more effectively with one another. Um, So you're getting the job done. It's to a higher degree of, uh, of clarity or detail than it was before. And it's done faster than it was done before. And that's why the manager cares. So there's obviously a balance there and, you know, you can't do any of that without a foundation like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. This um, we've got a fun question from Grace, but to kind of follow up and to keep this conversation going, how does a company really keep their eye on the culture and treating um, I'm trying to read my own writing uh, true to themselves, remaining sensitive and not, oh, uh, this is about not being robotic and not being a slave to the environment. And how does a, how does a company and a leader keep that cultural balance to remain sensitive? And then now the, the other part of that question was making sure that they don't say or do something because now it's on video that it goes viral in a negative way. So did all of that question make sense yes, to you? Yes, it does. All right. Uh, so, I mean, I, I feel like I might be repeating myself a little bit here, but it, I mean, this is what I believe the answer to be. If, if you just throw 20 people in the room and you say, go at it, solve this question, solve this problem, uh, work towards this goal, then yeah, if somebody does something, I mean, everybody's seen the viral videos of, of the recordings of zoom of people in their bathroom and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, would that ever happen in a team that trusted each other, that had this kind of ally mentality, this foundation of, of respect? No. The person that recorded it would never do that. Yeah. Um, in fact, not only that, but not for the sake of the person who was uh, doing the embarrassing thing, but for, for the sake of the entire team, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, for, for fear of, of being an outcast to their new, you know, quote unquote family of, of a team, they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have to be careful because everything in my opinion works like a bell curve. There's always people that trust to the nth degree. And then there are people that no matter what you do, you, you can't trust them. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, and I think the only way to, 
to build up to that is to, to create an environment where you are now, you're no longer the person or the group of people that have the say just because you're louder or because uh, you're the extrovert or you're the type A personality who says, we're going to do this and no one ever sticks up to you. If you can reverse that and have the majority of people actually have one another's back where it becomes a we versus a me. Now, if you're a me in that scenario, even if you're the loudest person and you think your ideas work better than everybody else's, the people are much, much easier to fight back when they can say, Hey, we disagree with that because now it's like, okay, convince us otherwise not trample over me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I genuinely think that you're going to have bullies. You're going to have these people no matter what, no matter what you do. And so I think understanding the dynamics of your team to the nth degree, actually genuinely getting to know them, I think it goes a long way to, to preventing any of that stuff from happening. And then, yeah. and then obviously, I mean, there's an element of this that has nothing to do with culture. It has nothing to do with facilitation. It has everything to do with knowing yourself as one of those participants. If you know that you sneeze four times and it is just, it looks terrible and it's embarrassing, <laughs> there's a button on the bottom of your screen where you turn can click, turn your screen off. Mute yourself. If, if uh, my daughter comes up and she asks me, you know, five times to come down to eat food uh, or something, because that's what she does. She's like my little alarm clock. If I'm on an important call or something like that, or a video, uh, I'll mute it and, and I'll, I'll say it. If my dog's barking, I'm the only one that can really get him to shut up sometimes. I'll mute myself and you'll see me go, Django, stop, you know? So you got to know yourself too, just like uh, a team needs to know one another, I think. Sorry, that was a, a very long No, that's really good that. advice. And, and I can't help it. I have to lean into a lot of that stuff for me is when I work with clients around defining their culture playbooks. And so it helps further define those boundaries of what right looks like, um, what we say, what we do to your point as, as a we versus a me. And, and it allows for the peer, the positive contagion of groupthink in order to protect those boundaries. So no, you're, you're spot on. I love that. Um, a fun thing from Grace before we move to our last couple of questions is she wants to know what your stick figure is behind you. So I'm looking at you and it's to the, the left. So what is, what is that? Yes. Uh, okay. So my, um, my mother-in-law, um, so I used to have pretty much nothing behind me in uh, when she came to visit and, uh, she, um, she decided that I needed, I needed more flair and out of love and uh, I guess maybe pity. She went and got that for me. And now, um, you know, sometimes I'll put it in, in weird positions that you don't normally run in to see if people actually see it. But it's just uh, another thing back there to, to either talk about or, or make fun of with people. So No, I love it. It's a good engaging <laughs> thing. You know, one of the things I, I, I think as humans when the videos come on is everybody looks around to see yeah. What's going on. You kind of like, and you can see the eyes, especially when there's like, you know, 25, you can see everybody looking around. So yep. anyways, all right, we've got a couple more questions. Okay. The next one is from Jenny Clark. Jenny says, how do you help attendees interact with each other during and after the session? And I really want you to lean into the after because sure. this is where your expertise really comes alive. So, you know, 
doesn't really matter what you do in the moment if they don't remember the tools or tricks or tips or uh, don't ever leverage it in the future because then it just becomes another event that we wasted money on and we we weren't productive at work because we had to go off site to do this thing mm -hmm. and then everybody you know i mean you've heard that a thousand times or more um from everybody i mean including yourself of of attending things that you're just like hey we we had a better use of our time and this was this wasn't it yeah um and so creating calls to action is the first step i think in in one of those events where it's just like what are we going to do after we leave here who's going to do it when are they going to do it by what's the duration that we're going to allow this to happen and not necessarily in this you know uh environment where it's like i'm going to hold you accountable to the to the nth degree for what you said you were going to do but let's get some stuff on paper let's have some understanding of of what's fair here you know, do we want to accomplish this in the first quarter? Okay, cool. So let's work backwards from that. Who, who's involved in, in achieving this, this goal? What, what help are we going to need? What resources are we going to need to dive into? And, and get those answers and create the path in front of everybody and then have people actually stand up or sit down or, or submit via their own text in, in one way, shape, or form. I am responsible for this. I'm going to play a role in this and I'm going to slap the table right here, right now and say that you can count on me to, to solve or work on or iterate through X, Y, or Z. Um, I think it makes all the difference. So that's like one nugget. The other one is it's your own follow through. Um, you know, like instead of being a one and done and like, I just did this workshop and it was great and everybody thought it was fantastic and I'm getting referrals and whatnot. Well, what happens a week from now, two, two months from now, et cetera. And that's your own follow-up. It's like, Hey, I understand where you said you wanted to be while I was in the, the event with you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand where you should be right about now. And so now that you guys are at that place, I'm going to give you some tools that might help this part in your phase better. And for me, I mean, yeah, I don't necessarily like to admit it, but it doesn't take very long. It's like, all right, I'm going to sit down to a computer. I'm going to type up some stuff or I'm going to record myself on a video and say, hey, uh, here's a tool. It takes about 10 minutes. Uh, I think you can do it in groups of X, Y, or Z, but you should really try to focus in on this uh, going into next quarter. It's like, okay, now you have something to do as opposed to remembering something that was fun, but didn't really do anything for you uh, in the moment, if that's the case. Yeah, no, those are really great tips. I agree, one and done does not work, ever, 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 no matter how good, to your point, the facilitation was, it never works because our minds just don't work that way. We have right. to hear it, see it, feel it, repeat it over and over and over again. I actually have um, uh, people when they call and say, you know, back when Me Too first started, for example, I started getting a lot of phone calls on, do you do? you know, harassment type training and, and that uh, sort of stuff. And I was like, well, I do. However, we trying to accomplish here because you're just trying to just check off a box. Yeah, that's not me. I'm not a box checker. You know, we need to do, you know, a series of, of things to do that. So I love that answer. Great tips. Thank you. Um, yeah. All right. The last one we have from our submissions is from Matthew Murphy. And he says, um, around the context of strategy development, problem uh, framing and design. What are your concepts and techniques that you help teams and individuals better appreciate those key uncertainties 
you know, the very reason that they're calling you? What are, what are some of your key go-to things? Uh, well, I think the, you, well, I practice what I preach. It's iteration. Uh, and, and so you have to go into something knowing that you don't have the perfect answer now. You probably won't ever get the perfect answer, especially with the changing environment and the changing resources and whatnot. And so for me, it's teaching people all of the above, everything. In fact, this is perfect that you asked me this at the end. It really rolls in everything we talked about. It's, it's having the, the trust of one another to know that we don't have the right solution now, but if we can work fast enough, if we can work efficient enough, if we can trust each other to the extent that we need to, we can fail, but not make it a failure. Um, or we can succeed and not say we're done. Right. So if you just call it out right out of the gate, Hey, we're moving to this, to this, uh, point C right over here. Here's how we're going to do it. But if we get off track for this, that, or the other reason, we're going to come together as a group and, and we're going to use the tools that we know and the strengths that we have of one another to iterate through it and, and figure out how can we get past this hurdle uh, in order to, to move the needle even further so that if we run into another one of these things, we, we know exactly how to hop back on the horse and get going. I like that. It reminds me of pivoting with intentions. Um, yep. I'm trying to remember what Dr. Sarah Spradlin said recently, uh, innovate on the pivot. So innovate that reminds me, innovate on the pivot. I love like that. that. Um, so um, well, this last question actually comes uh, from me and it is kind of to wrap up a lot of the things that you do to make sure that the, the viewers and the audience are clear. So three really core things why people should lean in on you happen to be around today's virtual training. Uh, every element known to man from the team building. And then of course, the uh, what we talked about earlier, and I don't know really how to articulate, but your project management, coaching, event, uh, planning, flow kind of piece. So I wanna lean into that last one. Can you tell us why I would call you or what questions you would have for me if I said, John, I just listened to this podcast and I do have a conference coming up. I've got a full day, you know, series. I don't know if I need your help or not. What are some things that you're going to ask me for me to go? Yeah, that's me or no, I've got it. I'm good there. What, what does that look like? So very, very transparently put, if somebody asks me for help in that respect, I, I can't help myself. I'm going to try to help you before you even, you know, get to the money part or, or something like that. I'm going to prove to you that you you know, I'm going to give you some aha moments that you're like, I can't believe we didn't think about that. I, I, we're definitely going to do that. And it's like, okay, well, that was in the last 10 minutes on a phone call with you. Imagine if I actually devoted everything I had into what you're doing, where you're going, why you're going there and what the outcome is that you want. And then I'm going to sit through there and, and give you everything that it is that I have and, and kind of coach the entire way through, make sure that you understand the what, why, how, what happens if uh, all of the scenarios that you can possibly think of. And then I'd, I'd finally, you know, not to, to say, you know, give any more of my, of my background, but I have been through more courses of other people than I know of, uh, of most people. I'd say more than 95 or more people that I know. And I always sit through those courses. Uh, you know, some of my close friends know this, I will write a very, very long feedback form genuinely to help out the person whoever did it. Uh, and, you know, 
I, I won't name names, but I've been to some pretty high up there courses where you'd be like, oh, this has got to be the greatest thing in the world. Eight page feedback report. Oh like, my goodness. When, when they say every single day, we care about feedback, we care about feedback, we care about feedback. I'm like, all right. If, if I say that to people, I hope that they, do, they just take their time and tell me everything there is to know so that I don't make the same mistakes twice. And so I take them at their word and I don't do it as a poke in the eye, but it's like, I hope you do this for me. Yeah. Um, so to, to answer your question, uh, I, I, think, I think it's in my personality to help people no matter what. Um, I'm, I'm there with the experience that I have to, to be able to help. And uh, I think more importantly, if I know that I can't help, I know the right people, you and uh, several others that can help. And I'm not going to do anything that I can't get a you know, grand slam with. I'm going to give it to somebody else that I know that can. Is there a common um, hiccup that when people call you for that sort of support or that you hear, maybe that you've seen, is there a common hiccup that people are missing? Or is it kind of all yeah. over the board? No, I common hiccup is they think we have this amount of time. We have this much stuff to cram into this amount of time. And so we're going to leverage every single minute. And what uh, I relate it to a, a long email. If you get a four page email in the mid middle of a busy day, you're not going to read it. You're going to try to read it at the end of the day and you might not get to it until tomorrow or next week, or you might, it might get buried. If you send everybody a one paragraph uh, email, in the middle of a busy day, I'm going to read it. Even if I can't act on it, at least I know what's there. I've read every single word of it. And so the, the hiccup is don't put this much in this amount of time where I'm not going to remember any of it. Put this much in this amount of time and allow people to kind of fill the gaps with their own knowledge and their own experience so that you have a good event. Oh my goodness. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I have been yes. a person who has done that. And it's hard when somebody calls you and says, can you go over this, 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 and this? And you're like, yeah. And then they tell you, you have an hour or two hours. And you're like, uh, yeah, that's eight hours of content. Yeah. Can you just, can you just, can you just, you know, like just give him some stuff and give him stuff <laughs> afterwards? It's like, yeah, it would be giving him stuff. All right. That's right. Um, very, very good thing. Is there anything that you were not asked that you were hoping somebody would ask that you want to tell us? Um, that's a really, really good question. I think that you, uh, you know, with the people that on LinkedIn that asked the questions, I hope I answered them to, to a good extent, but I think you crushed it. You make me actually sound uh, really, really refined. Uh, oh, please. Uh, <laughs> no, so I, I think, uh, I think everything that's been asked has been great for sure. All right. Very good. Well, John, we really appreciate all of you gave an enormous amount of tips today and they were all really, really good. So, you know, for those listening, for those watching um, on the replay, please add additional questions that you have for John. John, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? LinkedIn. All uh, right. Easy. Very good. And I do want to note that on LinkedIn, when you look it up, you actually have three names that they have to type in. That's right. So, middle yeah. name. I can't forget about the middle name. My mom. Yeah. yeah. So John <laughs> Wakefield, Holly, where does it, wait, I didn't realize that was your, I, I didn't know. So that's a fun tip. Where did that name come from? There has to be some sort of history behind Wakefield then. 
You know, I should have a really good answer for you. And I think I did once upon a time. I don't remember uh, anymore. I think it's a, it's a family, it's a family name. We had a crest somewhere uh, where That's it was cool. from way, way, way back in the day. And for me, uh, my own personal tip or trick is my email address is about that long. So you have to really want to email me if you're going to get in touch with me. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like that. So, well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being on here today. And again, if you're looking for somebody to facilitate uh, team building exercises in a unique way, a unique, fun, engaging, rememberable, long lasting, purposeful with an ROI, obviously John knows what he's doing. You definitely need to lean into him. And um, same thing if you're looking for the behind the scenes support, clearly. That is John's expertise uh, of facilitation. So again, thank you, John, for being on today. Thank you, viewers. Thank you, listeners. Again, my name is Shelly Smith. Remember, culture isn't built in a day. It's built every single day. And if you're not defining it and you're not having clarity around the boundaries every day, you're probably moving in repair mode. And repair mode is far more costly than if you just would have done it the first time. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining me and another guest for the Culture Hour. If you want to go back to past episodes, make sure you follow the podcast on any of your favorite apps and devices. If you're looking for a daily dose, a little short snippet, then all you need to do is hop over to the other podcast called Your Morning Commute. Thank you again for tuning in. If you're looking for questions, other speakers, more topics, by all means, reach out. Shelly at PremierReport.com. Remember, culture isn't built in a day. Culture is built every day. Are you spending your money and your time and energy on repairs? Or are you spending your time and your energy defining and maintaining? Be safe out there.